All right, I'm here with my buddy, <laughs> Chase Arrington. So how are you doing? Doing well, doing well on this Sunday afternoon. Can't complain. How about yourself? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Getting ready for this, this book launch to come out. So I'm going to get right into um, some of your bio. So just to give anybody who's listening some information, uh, Chase is a school administrator within Guilford County Schools in Greensboro, North Carolina. He attended A&T, North Carolina A&T, and he was a trumpet player and section leader, right? That's um, ma'am. Yeah. The Blue and Gold Marching Machine while he was there. And he's a member of Kappa Kappa Psi. He's a member of Five Mu Alpha. And right now he is currently in his third year as assistant principal at Western Guilford Middle School. And previously you were assistant principal at Forsyth Academy Charter School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And then you also taught math at Mendenhall Middle School where you were a selected teacher of the year. And so, you know, I know you do a lot of mentoring and helping out of not only you know your your school students but also in the blue and gold marching machine so we're gonna get into that in just in just a few but if you could um just start off by telling me a little bit more about like who you are i read i know i read some of your bio but like i'm sure i i missed some spots too so kind of help fill in that gap yeah so um i appreciate it you you hit a lot of you hit all the points okay <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll go back and fill in some things. So I know a lot of people are like, how does one love band so much but ended up teaching math? I'm always asked when I'm in education, you know, people are like, do you teach, are, are you a music teacher? And I was like, no, I'm not a music teacher. Chase, why didn't you go into music education? And I said, you know, it's a hobby for me. And so, but I, I really, really, really love math. I love the STEM fields. And so, you know, while at a and I had a tutor in the math department and I found myself, uh, you know, working with students who, you know, just didn't have the, what I felt the, the basic computational skills to be successful. And I say, you know, we have to, you know, break these systems that are in place in education to, you know, make sure that our students of color have access to what they want to do when they get older. And, you know, whether it be college, the military or entrepreneurship. Um, they need to have that access using, utilizing those math skills. And so while I don't expect everybody to love math the way that I do, I do expect people not to be afraid of it and be able to tackle it. Because that's what life is. You know, if things are going to get thrown at you, how you respond to it is going to determine your, your character, your integrity, uh, you know, having perseverance and just finding that confidence to get up every time that you're knocked down. And so th that's the way I looked at math. It was like this, this huge challenge each time just trying to problem solve. And so helping people learn that process along the way, uh, that's what led me to education. And then, you know, while in the classroom, you know, I worked alongside my principals and they gave me opportunities to participate in a leadership team and looking at it from a more macro level in the school, I said, okay, I think I might want to be a school administrator. So that led me to go to grad school at UNCG and, you know, get my master's there. And now, you know, being in education for 14 years, uh, I led, I, I was led to love policy and um, education policy became this newfound adventure for me. And it's not discussed heavily uh, because we think when we, when you think of education policy, we think of um, people in political offices, um, but they're the mm -hmm. ones making those systems that are in place that don't include people that look like you and myself, Christy. So I, mm -hmm. um, Sitting, being able to sit at the table with those individuals, that's my future goal. 
And so, you know, I want to work the, the system and become a principal and then, you know, move forward. And I don't know what life has to offer for me, but I do know we have to work to break these racial inequities out here and provide access for all of our students and specifically for our students of color because black lives do matter. Mm -hmm. And um, in, this, in this particular unprecedented time, as people would say, um, is more prevalent than ever that the systems that were instilled over 400 years ago are still here. They are just um, written in different ways. And so when I look at the policy work in education, that's what led me now to UNCG as I work on um, my doctorate and focusing on education leadership. And, uh, and you know, looking at research through a critical race theory lens to continue mm -hmm. looking at policy work and the intersexuality of how it impacts uh, specifically transient population of students in special education. Because those are the students that are constantly being suspended. Those are the students constantly being sent to the principal's office because teachers aren't able to connect with them because the students lack the cultural capital in order to connect with the community that they keep moving to. And so right. when you look at a student that have been in school for 13 years, K-12, yet they've attended 10, 12 different schools, how do they connect with anyone? And so they lack trust. They don't believe in the system. They don't believe in education because the system has failed them. And so, you know, that, that's, the work I, that's the work I do and that's the work I look at. And um, I won't attach it to band just yet. I'll let you lead me there. <laughs> uh, but that, that's filling in the gaps and the holes of everything that you uh, just presented here, so. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. I had so many thoughts going through this as you were speaking. The first thing is that, you know, I always want to give a shout out to someone who is trying to help Black folks in STEM and you being a Black, a black man in STEM, you know, you get nothing but kudos from me from, with that. Um, and, you know, you're just like a man after my own heart. And then also, I want to point out that, you know, you taught math and people come to you with say, they would say, well, we thought you would be a music teacher. Um, why are you doing math? And my, my thought behind it is, you know, music is math <laughs> in so many it is. ways. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So how is how is that doctoral program going? Because I, I know the, the struggle is so real. Are you hanging in there? I couldn't. I, I just never knew it was so much to read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and plus, when you work full time, because you're working, you're, 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 I'm still, still working. working full time. You're talking about a pandemic. And it's not like it's a regular school year where mm -hmm. you know I could get my footing in place from August to now. Everything has constantly changed each week we're getting a new policy, you know, coming down where students aren't going to school, students are coming to school, um, you know, remote learning, face-to-face -face instruction. And, you know, I work specifically with the scheduling at my school. So trying to bring the kids back in the building, trying to maintain social distance, you know, being mindful of our most vulnerable population, then also trying to figure out, are our kids having enough food at home? And being able to deliver those packages and making sure students are getting fed. That's the other part that this, you know, um, this pandemic has shown individuals that schools are more than just the education piece. It's just more than, it's more than just the reading, math, science, social studies. Uh, we are an integral part of our society. And so trying to balance that with coming home in the evenings at five o'clock and then mm -hmm. and read from five to 10 
And then you have class every week and then you're sitting in class for three hours at a time and you're like, oh my God, when is this gonna end? But then you enjoy it, you enjoy the journey. So I'm not trying to rush it mm-hmm. um, you know, because I do desire to be an expert in my field. And so the only way I can be that expert is if I grapple in that territory. And so um, I'm enjoying the process. My professors have been nothing but short of amazing. I mean, they have really uh, been so supportive. Uh, you know, when they call you and check on you because you look like you just had a struggling day in class right after class and they just call you and say, mm-hmm. hey, is everything okay? I didn't see you engaged like you usually are. And I, you know, just, you know, being able to share with them some of the challenges that we're facing in the school system um, with just trying to combat the, the policies and the structures that aren't including our students, mm-hmm. um, as, as well as the teachers. And so it's, it's a balance of adult and youth learners. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm not rushing towards the dissertation, yeah. but I'm thinking like next year at this time, I'll be preparing to, you know, talk about my proposal. I'm like, I can't believe it's already here. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you so fast. You hang in there. That's what I want to say. You hang in there and you had such a better attitude. It seems like you have such a bad, better attitude than I had because <laughs> the struggles are real. We'll have to talk offline about that. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's, let's get into this book. So, you, as you know, the um, HBCU experience, HBCU Band Alumni Edition comes out this Tuesday, April 27th. Um, you can find the book on Amazon. Got to put in that plug there. So, I, you know, I want to get into the whole like HBCU band. But before that, let's talk about your alma mater, North Carolina A&T. Not that Aggie I'm or anything. Aggie <laughs> Pride, yes. Um, so tell me about you choosing A&T. Um, I know you grew up in, in, in the area, but was was the HBCU always your first choice? Or did you think HBCU of other places? Always. It's, it's been the only choice for me. Um, you know, in high school, a lot of my friends, they, they were going to the Carolinas and uh, NC State and ECU. Being from Eastern North Carolina, um, you know, only 45 minutes away from NC State and 45 minutes away from um, East Carolina University, a lot, of, a lot of people went to those schools, which I'm fine with. I have nothing. They are great institutions. However, I knew that I wanted to be around my people. I knew I wanted to stay around people of color um, because of support that I received in my K-12 education. Uh, You know, my teachers, they were so supportive of me um, and they knew what we were going to face once we got to college. And so being able to provide us those opportunities um, in high school and middle school, uh, I knew that that was the direction I was going to go. Now, as far as A&T, you know, my brother went to North Carolina Central and we're four years apart. So um, when he went to Central, I was like, okay, you know, Central might be on the list. It Mm -hmm. it might be on the list, but after spending four years there with him, I felt like I was already in school with him. I was like, I don't want to go to Central. Um, And so from there, you know, I I started seeing A&T, my first time seeing the band program um, face-to-face and not going too much into band, but that's that's what led me to A&T. And then finding out that it was a school focused heavily in STEM, and I said, you know, I went to, I, I, at that time, I said, I want to be an engineer and I want to majoring in, you know, computer science or computer engineering and possibly go that direction. And so uh, <clears throat> that led me to A&T after seeing them the first time in 97. Um, I apologize. My, my little buddy is here. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> but, you know, 
in 97, when I saw them for the first time, I said, this is, I think this is where I want to go. And so after having uh, people from high school and from my community that went to A&T, you know, people try to discourage me and they were like, you know, A&T is a party school, you know, people go there and they, they get lost. They don't. And I was like, that's their choice. Cause I mean, any school can be a party school. In my sure opinion. Can. And then, you know, as once I got to campus, I was like, yes, this was the right decision for me. Um, in addition to that, my parents, they were advocates for you're going to school where you get money because, mm-hmm. you know, it's money out here. I just don't see a point in you having to pay for school once you graduate. And I said, you know, fair enough. And so I worked, I worked really hard in high school to try to maintain, you know, the GPA and the academics and the SAT score and the ACT score. And I was afforded a full scholarship to A&T. And so that helped me make my decision. I mean, it was like, I told God, I said, look, if this is where I'm supposed to be, you're going to find the funding for me. I've done the work. I'm going to trust you. And that's what led me to A&T and got me to A&T. So... Oh my gosh, that's a great story. That's a great story. I could not picture you at Central. No offense. No, to not at all. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no shade. shade. Yeah, yeah, no shade. But you know, Eagle Pride amplified whatever they say. Yeah, but no shade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the blue and gold marching machine. Something hey. very close to both of our hearts. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about your experience in the band. And I, I'm trying to remember. I read your chapter ahead of time, but I'm I, you know I read everybody's, and I'm trying to remember if you talk deep about that. But go go ahead. Uh, so my first year at A&T was 2002. So I was a part of what we call the Legends of 02 because we were the oh, yeah. la- we were the last Dr. Hodge class. Okay. And so uh, you know we were there his retirement year and uh, coming in under such strong leadership and you know Doc was just he was different as you know he was different and he demanded a lot from you um, <clears throat> and you came into practice. It wasn't so much of uneasiness, but it was, you were always on your best because you never knew when he was gonna go one by one and call you out. And it was gonna happen. And it was gonna happen on a march and you better be ready when it's coming. And so that, it just taught me the militaristic style of marching band and where it derived from and the high expectations. But I, I, I was able to garner so many relationships and so many friendships um, that I still maintain in my adulthood. And so looking back at my freshman year, uh, <clears throat> coming in, I promise you, I never thought in a million years that um, I would, I guess you can be, I guess you can say, still be a pillar of the community of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I, just, I was just happy to be in the number. And I was just um, humbled. I was grateful to even be a part of it because, you know, coming from, you know, my high school, uh, we didn't get a chance to do a lot of festival work, so we didn't go to competitions in the concert arena. Um, we did a lot of marching band competitions, but when I sat with some of those amazing musicians my freshman year, I said, oh, Chase, you got to, you got to pick it up. Like, you mm-hmm. have to get it together if you want to maintain in this program. And so um, moving throughout the freshman year, I was able to compete against some of the best bands in this country that made me even better. So sitting across the field from the Norfolk States and the FAMUs and the Bethune-Cookmans, it just just pushed me to say, you know what? I can be better and I want to be better because if I'm going to be the best, I have to compete with the best. And so um, moving, you know, from freshman year, 
to, you know, sophomore year, that's when Dr. Ruff came in. And so it was a change in leadership. And anytime there's a change in leadership, whether the individuals work together or not, people are always going to want to put a stamp of approval on their own program. And mm -hmm. so there, there was a lot of shift, but we blew up that year. We went from marching a 160 block and the year before to marching a 192 block. And I said, my God, we could barely fit in Fraser Hall. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you know, that was the Vegas year too. That though. was the Vegas year. And I was just about to get to that, you know, defeat the beat was that year. Mm -hmm. And you know, we were awarded that money and we won that year. And so, you know, that that was that was off to a great start for Dr. Ruff. And so, you know, looking ahead in 03 and we went against Southern University in Vegas. And, uh, you know, that was only my second time. I, I mean, I'm ashamed to say it all, folks. That was only my second time on a plane. So if it wasn't for the Blungo March machine, I don't know when I would have ever stepped foot on a plane. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to go all the way to Vegas and, you know, compete against um, Southern, that was another highlight. Uh, and then moving into, you know, 04, 2004 was the year uh, for me, it was that, that, that change, it was that transition. Um, you know, junior in college, and, uh, you know, right after that, I had just pledged Kappa Kappa Psi in the spring of 2004, uh, and Dr. Ruff came up to me and said, Chase, you're my new section leader. I was like, what? Wait a minute, Wait a minute, I'm thinking back to 2002. And I'm like, I never thought, I never, I never thought that this would be the case. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I, I just showed up and I love the band, I love the program. You know, you know, Charles Connor, you know, Chuck, who was my dean for KK Psy, he told me, he said, love the band. He just, that's all he would say, just love the band. And he taught us how to love the band. And you guys are going to read his story and he's going to be on this too. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell his story, but he just taught us to love the band. And so uh, when I became section leader, I just learned to, from him to create this sense of community amongst my, my brothers and sisters. And so uh, building trust and leadership amongst people who come in after you, but also people who brought you in is challenging. And, mm -hmm. and, and having to, you know, hold people accountable in a way that they may not have ever been held accountable before. Um, and having them to trust you when you go into battle that, you know, you stand before this other trumpet section or this other band program, and we're going to battle them together. And, you know, we're going to battle to the death. And so, um, and then, you know, moving into, you know, 05 and 06, um, Indianapolis, you know, mm -hmm. Michigan, Tennessee State. And so, I mean, I've just seen a gamut of bands and set across from so many band programs. Um, it, 05 was, it was, it was huge. It was amazing. You know, it was the first time we host Norfolk State in Corbett Sports Arena and right. uh, we had the battle of the bands there. And I, you know, everyone always talks about that battle because I mean, that was, that was the fight. That was the fight. You know, that was like the Goliath versus the, what they say, the David versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. uh, Norfolk was huge and, you know, but we're, we're still held our own and, you know, we still fight. Uh, but, uh, you know, during that course, um, I learned so much from, you know, just leadership and the feedback that I received from Dr. Ruff and then also from the late, great Dr. Um, uh, Mr. Millsap. Uh, mm. Mr. Millsap came on staff in 06 and it just changed the whole band program, in my opinion. You know, I marched with him. Oh, I mean, he yeah. is nothing short of amazing. And I, I miss him immensely. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, while him being a charter member for Scream Machine and the, the, you know, the sections for the trumpets, 
And then him coming back and being my, you know, my assistant director. And I'll never forget he was on the podium one day and we were playing Children of Sanchez. And um, he asked the trumpets, he said, trumpets, play this line for me real quick. And he played, he was like, now band, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And cause he said, they're giving me pizzazz. And he just loved it. He just loved everything about it. Um, and you know- He's he an like, awesome musician. He's, he, <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell awesome. you, yeah, as, as somebody who was in like symphonic band with him, he just an awesome A plus musician. Yes, he, yeah, yeah, yes, he was. And you know, he, he, you know, this is the quote. He always said, you know, uh, discipline is, a, is at the pinnacle of success. That's what mm. he always said. And he, you know, he said, if you're disciplined, you, you can find that success. And he would always just say, feces roll downhill. <laughs> you know, he would say it. Because if it's not tight at the top, you better believe it. It's mm -hmm. going to go down here. And he always said, you know, whoever's in charge, that's where it stops. You got to be accountable for everything that takes place in this organization. Um, and, but he taught me so much when it came to, you know, just building that camaraderie. And when he came back as a charter member, and I don't think people understand how huge that is, like, he was the one that formalized this trumpet section the way that it is. He helped form this trumpet section that the way that we are today. And for him to be my director and for him at that time, he was the only brass person that was on staff. And mm -hmm. so we instantly connected because it was like we understood each other and not just brass, but he played trumpet. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just, I was so excited to finally meet the, the legend you know, I've seen him for at, at Central State. I've seen him when he was at Dudley High School, you mm -hmm. know, here in the East Coast. And so for him to be at A&T and, you know, I worked alongside of him in 2007 and 2008 when I joined the staff, uh, we, we just did some amazing work together. And he trusted me as well as Dr. Ruff. That was the part I think that they taught me in leadership. You have to delegate. And when you delegate, you have to trust that people are going to do the job while you're not there. Right. If they don't, it's an opportunity for you to bring them back in. But you can't man micromanage every piece of the job. Otherwise, people aren't going to work for you and work with you. And so um, they taught me the difference between being a manager versus a supervisor. And I think that's what I learned to do as a section leader. That's what I learned to do while I was on staff. Because moving to staff, it was a, it was a challenge, you know, going from section leader to trusting the next section leader to take over and not staying there and wanted to go back to sectionals and run sectionals, but being able to coach them and teach them. And I think that was my first true opportunity at coaching and leading other, you know, young adults, um, teenagers, and then, you know, and moving on into, you know, what I do now, coaching teachers. And so, you know, they, they gave me that first opportunity and I'm, I'm forever indebted to it um, because it gave me opportunities to learn about myself. My like that was the big portion going to mm. retreats each summer and realizing why these different personalities are clashing all the time. And, you know, yet we're all trying to reach the same goal of having the number one band in the world um, at the number one institution in the world. It's just the fact that um, we had to learn how to work with conflict. And I think that's what emerged out of our uh, out of out of my time at A&T during in, in the program. So. Um, yeah, I think I answered your question, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking like, I know you wrote a chapter, but it sounded like you need to write a book because you got like a good self-help kind of motivational 
story to tell people. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, that's what I wanted. To, I want to be able to give back to people. Like, I, I, I don't know. That's, I guess that's just me, servant leadership. And again, where did I learn that? Dr. Kenneth G. Ruff. Mm. Servant leader of all servants. So I can't take anything away from, you know, he's always the first one there and he's the last one to leave. And he's like, this is what we do. And we're going to be on time. He taught me to be timely because he will leave you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he will leave you sitting in that parking lot and play around with him if you want to. So right. yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I, I got to give this shout out to Dr. Ruff because I you, you talked about like, I'm going to talk to Chuck. Well, I actually talked to him yesterday <laughs> and okay. we were talking about how like, you know, I feel like the band has, it was great with Dr. Hodge and you know, that was my, that was my, my that was my director, but it's just gone up to higher and higher heights. And I think Dr. Ruff has, has done like a tremendous job. I, I agree. You know, the, the moment when I realized, uh, you know, things were really shifting was the year the band went to the Macy's parade. I said, mm. oh, God. And I mean, while I was not in band at that time, but my God, when I tell you Thanksgiving Day, I believe, what was it, 2012? I think that was 2012. Um, I had Aggie Pride on. A&T was on that day and everybody was like, Chase, what's going on? Like my band my band, my alma mater, ended up opening up the Macy's Day Parade, the first band that came through. And that was a huge opportunity for us. And, you know, being, seeing some of the, the other bands that are participating in Macy's Day and, you know, other HBCUs that are having the opportunities to participate as well, I think that's a huge feat. That's a huge feat because I'm sure decades ago, we wouldn't have been able to do so. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, um, yeah, go ahead. That really made me emotional <laughs> when I saw it that day because, you know, I was at home with, with both my parents and it was just, it was just really good. In fact, I like had it on my DVR for the longest and I think my DVR broke and I was so mad because I couldn't yeah. just like have a quick click. I mean, of course I can go on YouTube now and find it, but like. <laughs> not the same because that was the actual moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about, okay, well, you know, you talked about your time at, at a and and everything. So, and I know you do a lot of mentoring now. So can you tell me more about like the mentoring you do as far as like the band? So um, that's a good segue to bring in, you know, my, my beloved Fami Ralpha. Um, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, the chapter wasn't on campus while I was at a and So I wasn't able to, you know, do it um, while in undergrad. So while in um, UNCG, uh, I was able to, uh, you know, pledge and join through UNCG's chapter um, when I started my doctoral program years ago before my dad got sick. And so I, I, I joined through there, but even through that, by being connected to the band program and still staying connected and tied to, um, you know, the trumpet section and other sections and also KK Psy, being in the Greensboro area affords me opportunities to create those interpersonal relationship skills with them. And um, when I go around the band, you know, it's almost like this rite of passage for the trumpet section. Mm. You have to meet Chase. And I promise you, I don't think of myself that way, but the, the section leaders always feel like, no, they have to come meet you because you're always present. And the only reason that is the case is because I'm in the area because other people, I connect them to other trumpet players across the nation. I say, I make sure 
that they know these individuals because that's how you learn about where we came from. Not just from me, because I don't hold all the history. We have so many vast viewpoints of it. And so you have you know, various lenses. And so like yourself, where you march with Mr. Millsap, yet he was my director. So mm-hmm. our lens are gonna be completely different. And so I would always want them to connect with other people. Uh, but giving them that insight of, you know, the challenges I had to face as a sexual leader and not wanting them to go through those same things. But then also just life lessons. You know, if you need a meal, call me. You do not go hungry. You know, mm-hmm. if your parents are on the other side of the country or if you're out of money and you feel like, you know, your, your parent, you know, you don't want to call your parents or you might not be able to call your parents. You know, I just don't know what's going on, but don't ever sit on that campus and feel like you have no one to turn to. If you need someone to talk to, if classes are hard, if you need a tutor, you know, I've helped so many students that have, you know, faced challenges in the math, in their math classes, you know, let's get on the phone call, send me your homework, let me work through it, and I'll call you and walk you through it. Um, And then just being able to just sit and listen to them and just, and see, you know, what is, what is college life like? Is it everything you thought it was? Is it like a different world when you looked at a different world? And if it's not, you know, how can we talk about it? Um. And so, you know, being connected with them and then, you know, joining FAMU Alpha, it gave me another sight and a love for music that I didn't even know I had. I knew I had it, but I didn't know I had it. And so um, this part, I guess, was left out because it hadn't happened yet. But I'm again, A&T is just it's sketched in my heart. Uh, The outer beta chapter on A&T's campus of FAMU Alpha, they made me an honorary chapter member. And so... I'm just, I'm just overjoyed by that. And the fact that, you know, going from mentorship to, you know, connecting with them as brothers. And now I look at it that, you know, I look at again, Dr. Ruff is another sense of it. Um, I'm a part of his chapter of KK Psi. I'm now part of his chapter for Family Alpha. And I'm also, I also joined his chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha. So okay. you, we are connected in three different ways. Um, yet we all chose different pathways in life, but it all led us back to the blue and gold marching machine. And so um, having that opportunity to mentor, you know, the young men and women in the blue and gold marching machine, it gives me that opportunity to teach them how to give back as well. And that's the goal because the buck doesn't stop with me. Everything I'm giving you, my expectation is for you to give it back to other people. And so, yeah. Well, you know, I I just remember seeing you in 2019 at the um, Kappa Kappa Psi Tau Sigma convention, and I remember how A&T's KK side, like, they they flocked to you, like, they really looked to you like a big brother. I just, I just remember that. So, I'm humbled humbled that you say that I really am, Um, and the fact that you see that lets me know that the work I'm doing, I'm not doing it for show. I promise you I'm not. Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't need the accolades. I just want to be able to support the band program as best as possible. And, you know, um, still talking to the bros now. And now, you know, we have an Aldezeta uh, Alumni Association, which is a huge, a huge success, you know, thanks to brother, thanks to brother Robert Bratcher. Okay. Beating <laughs> um, that off as our president. Um, <clears throat> we have been uh, working to, you know, with mentorship programs, you know, we're connecting brothers with uh, their specific majors within the chapter. And so, you know, I had a mentor this year who Carrington Garner, who's, he did his, um, 
his student teaching this year as an art teacher. And so, you know, now we're working on trying to connect him and find him an art teaching position in the country so he can start teaching. And so we're trying to create these programs to make sure that our students know that there's a world after band. There's a world after Kappa Kappa Psi. There's a world after FAMU Alpha. There's a world after A&T. And you need to be prepared for it. Um, because A&T is going to prepare you. I, I felt prepared. I mean, I have no no doubt there. And so um, I guess, you know, the flocking to me, I just, I, I give to people what um, I guess I wanted people to give to me. And that's just a glimmer of hope mm -hmm. and support and, um, and the opportunity to be seen. I don't, I don't want people to run up to me. I don't want that whole, I mean, deference is a thing. I respect deference, but I also realize it's a two-way street. Um, times have changed. I don't expect times to stay the same the way that I was in college. Uh, you know, I don't expect for people to uh, be in fear of me or be intimidated by me. Um, when I come around, oh my God, he's spring 04. Oh my God, you know, that was a sexual leader. Oh my, mm -hmm. I, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the same man you are. Look, I just got here before you did, putting my pants on the same way you do, one leg at a time. Mm -hmm. And so if you break down those barriers, it makes you, your, you know, the positionality of who you are shifts in their eyes because they feel like you become a person and not the, the name that came before you. Uh, but I mean, it is humbling to know that and the, it's humbling to see that you see that yourself because uh, I, I don't I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, Chase, you and I, we go way back because you were, were you in high school or middle school? What was that? I was in middle school. Oh, get out of here. You <laughs> <laughs> were in high school. Uh, I joined the ranks in middle school. <laughs> Gosh, I cannot. I cannot. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad you were in this book. Like, you know, you were one of the people that I was like, man, Chase has got to. He's got to do it because I know you're going to have a, a lot to say. And your chapter was really good. I'm so excited about the book coming out. I think this 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 interview with us is probably going to air on the day that it comes out. Okay. So if you want to, you know, just to wrap things up. Why do you think people should get this book? Like, why do you, why do you think it's it's needed in in our world? So, in our world, I, I think this is the thing. Um, without the band, it's just a game. I mean, that's really how I feel. I, I think if people showed up to the football game and the bands weren't there, uh, people would have a lot of questions. Would have a lot of questions, and it would just change. It would shift the atmosphere. It's almost like going to church and the choir's not singing. The praise. Mm, I couldn't imagine that. Ooh. Right. I mean, could you imagine going <laughs> straight to the word? And nothing is wrong with that. Uh, but I think that's what Bible study is for. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like you're looking at, you know, we we are an integral part of the university system. We're an integral part of the culture that is built in HBCUs. And we are more than just, you know, dancing. We're more than just uh, marching. It's a whole organization. I mean, on most campuses, it is the largest organization, cohesive consensus organization on that campus. And when you think of being a part of that type of um, organization and that you can be connected to so many people across the campus, just like, oh, wow, I want people to understand what we had and it's special. It's so special. That's why year after year after year, people attend A&T 
without a scholarship because they see the love and passion for band. I wasn't on a band scholarship. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we didn't have those funds. And so the fact that Dr. Ruff is able to get those funds and bring more people there, I think that's awesome. But it's also a, an opportunity for us to market just to universities. And so um, for people to get an insight that HBCUs are still prevalent in today's society. And a lot of people want to go to, you know, certain universities because it may carry a certain weight for a job. But I think, you know, that band program afforded me the opportunity to get a great education. It afforded me the opportunity to make my lifelong friends and for me to join fraternities that I learned so much about myself, so much about leadership. And so the book is going to discuss all of those different ways because I'm sure the other great individuals that went to so many other universities, they have a story to tell and you can connect with somebody. There's an opportunity for you to see your children connect with somebody that they might want to go to that school. Um, you know, it's an opportunity for you to find out ways that people can continue giving back to the university because every school, need, we need to make sure these HBCUs survive because so many of them um, have struggled and are struggling and we don't want that. And so this can be an opportunity to make sure HBCU stay afloat in our communities because they are a part of our history. And without HBCUs, I don't think any of us would be where we are today. And so um, that's my plug, buy the book, support the book, learn from the book and, you know, Connect with me on social media, add me, follow me. If you have questions further after you read the book, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, so tell me, tell, tell us your social media handles and all that. So social media, um, Instagram, common underscore denominator, one, two, three. <laughs> book, I'm just Chase Arrington. And so people like common denominator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Common denominator. Um, it's math, one, two, three, just very simple. Um, and Facebook, you know, I'm just Chase Arrington. Just just look me up. I got to go into remove a couple of people because I reached my 5,000 limit. But uh -oh. it's okay. <laughs> let me find out you popping. <laughs> no, no. So, I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting adventure. It, 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 it is. So I'm open to it. Follow me. Um, hit me up. I'm, I'm open. And if you have, you know, People who have kids that are, you know, interested in going to school, trumpet players, whatever it is, follow me. I, I just love to give back and make sure people have the opportunity and the access, the pathways. That's my focus, the pathways to success, to reach their dreams. That's the goal. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.